Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusanyel of the Vivify Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we started a series last week called Naturally Supernatural. And it's, it's, I mean, this year is off to a great start already. I'm receiving countless testimonies already from families, from many of our members, even within my family, so many testimonies happening already. And it's so simple. It's so easy. The power of God is so easy to access. You know, God made it available to us by his grace, but we have it accessible through our faith and for many of you who have brought you know yourself to a place to believe and actually trust God you're seeing things happen and you're going to see even much more starting now in the name of Jesus glory to God so we started off last week on such a very high note and we're going to continue on that same frequency we're just going higher and higher and higher but you see When we say that this year at Vivify is our year of the supernatural, um, there are so many things to talk about, right? It's supernatural, it's exciting, it's an adventure in the spirit. But one thing you need to understand is you have a part to play. You have a part to play. You have your own side of the equation, things that you need to do to make sure that the supernatural happens on a, on a regs, if I use that language, to make sure that the supernatural, pardon me, the supernatural actually becomes natural for you. It becomes so easy that the extraordinary becomes so ordinary. And that's why we're talking about this teaching tonight. Uh, and the title of the teaching is Faithful. But, you know, not in the conventional way that you spell that word, it's F-A-I-T-H-F-O-O-L, like an actual fool, someone who is not wise. So that's the teaching of tonight, faithful. And you're going to find out why we, talk, why we named it that and why we're talking about it this evening. But I want us to start with our anchor scripture for this series, Ephesians chapter 3. Grab your Bibles while you're at it. Just go to the third chapter of Ephesians. And let's go down to the 20th verse. It's the second to the last. You can't miss it. All right. I want you to open your Bibles. And as I'm reading, I want you to say it out with me. It's such a powerful text that just confessing it alone has so much power. It carries so much weight. Are you ready? And are you excited? Oh, I'm sure you are. Because I am super, I'm super pumped. Um, verse 20. Now it says... Now unto him, I love this scripture. I love this scripture. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. If you, when you read this verse, there's so many elements that you just cannot miss. What you see is God. In your life, when he says, now unto him, the him that is being talked about, of course, is God Almighty. Now unto God, who is able to do, to perform, 
to activate, to initiate something exceeding abundantly. And we talked about maybe your mind was was thinking about God doing something a certain way. And there was a limit to it. It was like, oh, you know, if I could just have this, I'm fine. God, if you can just do this alone, I'm great. But it's saying, no, God is able to do exceeding. He is able to surpass your expectations. He is able to outmatch the things you have envisioned. And not only is he able to outmatch it or surpass it, but he is able to do that abundantly. Not just, boom, I did it for you. Are you fine? Next. He, he does it for you, blows your mind, exceeds your expectations, but he does it in abundance in such a way that it doesn't run out. In such a way that what he has performed in your life keeps moving, flowing, and is available. That's the kind of performance that God does. So he exceeds your expectations, makes it available in abundance, above all you can ask. Or think you've asked petitions in the last year. You've asked for new petitions in the new year. But God is telling you, oh, daughter, son, I am able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you're asking. It's simple. But I'm going to make it in such a way that I'm going to embarrass you with the performance of, of my hands. You see, the performance of the Lord is such that You can expect an abundance. You can expect it to be delivered excellently. You can expect it to be glorious. Praise the name of Jesus. (laughs) Excuse me. And now he tells you that God's power, God's performance is not just some distant force. It's not just something working in the atmosphere somewhere. This is an ability, a power that is currently working in you. When you think about the power of God, what do you see? Do you see how magnanimous it is? Do you see how great it is? And that huge power that created the universe, that as he he spoke words, things started to move in, in tandem to his voice. That as he spoke, things came to life. He created the whole world, the galaxies, billions and billions of galaxies with his power. And that power is inside of you. He didn't just say it's there. It works in you, works mightily in you. That's, that is huge. And that power is waiting to escape on the inside. That's what you have. When it comes to walking in the power of the Lord, there is no better currency than the currency of faith. There is no better requirement, no greater requirement than your faith, than your trust, your actual trust in the power of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. So that's where we're starting. You have to realize that if you're going to walk in the supernatural consistent, consistently in this year, you, you need to realize that your walk of faith, your faith walk, your faith life, your faith journey, your faith attitude has to take another step. Your faith needs to climb yet higher. 
Praise the name of Jesus. It's, a, it's what God is calling you to do this year. That this year you walk a walk of faith that has never been seen before in your life. That all the years you have seen mighty miracles and testimonies. That this year, oh my, my, my. That this year you will operate at a level of faith that is inconceivable. At a level of faith that seems so unfathomable. At a level of faith that people will look at you and say, this guy is foolish. This girl is crazy. That's the kind of faith. Because you see, and I have to be honest with you guys, listen to me. I have to be honest with you. If you're going to walk a walk of faith that is significant, a walk of faith that is super attractive to the supernatural ability of God, because faith is a magnet. If you're going to walk in that kind of faith, that level of faith, you're going to look crazy. You're going to look like a mad person. You're going to be like, people are going to look at you like, what are you saying? Are you stupid? Are you crazy? Are you foolish? But you see this year, we will rather be faithfuls than disobedient. Hallelujah. We will rather be faithfuls than rebellious. We're going to be faithfuls rather than being doubting. Praise the name of Jesus. If God says it, our response, our default setting is, I believe it and I walk in it. Glory to God. I don't just hear it. I believe in it. I hold on to it. I walk in it and I see it happen. Glory to Jesus. And that's it for us. In the, that's it for us. That's our walk. You know, the walk of faith to the ordinary person, to the natural man. It looks like a walk of foolishness. When you actually see faith in operation, people will look you in the face. They might not say it, but they'll most likely think you're crazy, you're foolish. But you see, that is the kind of faith that attracts the supernatural. That is the kind of faith that attracts the power, the blessings, the activity of God. Praise the name of Jesus. If your faith doesn't look foolish, it might be an indication that it's not crazy enough. It might be an indication that it's not, it's not strong enough. Praise the name of Jesus. Your faith needs to look crazy. And the reason why I say it is because if you're expecting an operation of God, a performance of God, the workings of God, that is exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can think or ask, then you best believe that your faith must be exceedingly above, abundantly above. Your faith must escape the realm of ordinary. Your faith must escape the realm of limitations. You know, there's one thing, there's one maxim or quote or phrase that we hear a lot. Um, some of you have listened to a lot of motivational speakers, right? And, and, and some of them are great, you know, some of them... Um, sometimes, you know, can mislead and give false expectations. But I mean, constantly what you hear from a lot of motivational teachings, you hear this phrase, think outside the box. Have you heard it before? Think outside the box. Be innovative. Be creative. Oh, you can make it. If only you stand and think outside the box. Oh, you can think and stand outside the box. And you're going to go there. 
You're going to get there. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> they might not say glory to God, but you get the point. They, they will tell you to think outside the box. Right? But you see, it, it's actually such a powerful principle when it comes to faith. Hear me. I, I'm getting somewhere with this. Right? I'm getting somewhere with this. If you want to see a performance of God that, that blows your mind, that exceeds all your expectations, guess what? Your faith must escape the realm of normal. Your faith must escape the realm of ordinary. It must think outside the box. It must think outside the box, guys. That's what your faith must do. Right? And we're going to talk about that, but I want us to start on the right precedence right we're going to talk about faith um from the scripture and i'm going to give you a lot of examples i want you to see actual people you see you can't talk and and teach a, a, you know a, a subject matter of faith and not give examples because when you have such examples when you have testimonies of people of faith what that does in you is it expands the box right it, it helps you in fact Open up the box so that you can think outside of it, so that you can see outside of it. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's what I want to do for you. We're going to lots of examples and you're going to be better for it. But I want us to start on some very uh, theological, strong theological foundation. So let's go to the book of Mark. And, and anyone who knows me knows that this is one of my favorite verses ever. We're going to go to the book of Mark, chapter 11, the 23rd verse. We're going to read from 23 to 24. Glory to God. <laughs> and no, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say perspire to acquire your desire in the fire. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say that, David. Um, think outside the box is what I was going for. Um, so let's go to Mark 11, verse 23 to 24. Mark 11, 23 to 24. Are you there? All right, I'm going to read with such uh, power. And I want you to see something very special about this text. It talks about faith. This is a teaching of Jesus where he's talking about faith. Many times he's talked about faith. He's rebuked disciples because of their faithlessness. You, you just realize that in all his dealings during his earthly ministry, faith was a currency operated with so regularly. Be it unto you according to your faith. Your faith has made you whole. O faithless generation, how shall I dwell with you much longer? Because you lacked faith. You hear faith and faith and faith. Have faith in God, he said to them. Even in uh, the previous verse, verse 22. Have faith in God, he said to them. So the matter of faith was super important to our Lord Jesus. And it should be to you as well. But you see, he wanted to open their eyes. These were his disciples. He wanted to show them a new world. A whole new world. He wanted to show them something fantastic. A world they can enter into. And a world that they could operate at a higher frequency with exceeded expectations. And this is how faith looks like. Oh, you need to pay attention here. Praise the name of Jesus. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. So look at what was going on. After Jesus had cursed, excuse me, after 
the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Just give me one moment. After the Lord Jesus had had that experience, you know, and he had just uh, cursed the fig tree. He was telling his disciples now, he, he was talking to them. He looked around him and he was going to talk, he was going to show them, you know, something that seemed insurmountable, right? I hope you're following, guys. He wanted to show them something insurmountable. What's the most difficult thing to move here? Let me see, let me see. He looked. And he saw a mountain. He said, guys, look, let me tell you something. I say, whoever says unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, shall not doubt in her heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass oh he shall have whatsoever he saith wow in verse 24 he says therefore i say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them wow amazing he is showing us a better way to pray he's showing us a better way to walk and live and experience the goodness of God. It's a higher realm of faith. He's calling us to it. There are so many elements to see here. And pay attention to. Notice he didn't say. If you pray to your heavenly father. And say our father who art in heaven. We call on you and summon you. Move this mountain. He didn't say that. He said if you say to the mountain and he was teaching you that if you want to solve problems and change situations and make mountains plain, you have to speak to them. You have to speak to them. You have to call them out by name and tell them what you want to happen to them. And he says if you say to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and you don't doubt in your heart but believe that those things which you have said will come to pass you will have it you will have what you say that is such a powerful principle so he says you 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 must not accommodate doubt in your heart it's 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 detrimental don't give room for doubt in your heart. If you believe what you have said will happen, it will happen. Verse 24, he says, Therefore, I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So it's a different kind of approach. When you ask for something from the Lord, he says your disposition is a disposition of availability I have what I've asked for I have received all that I've, I've requested for it is mine and says it will be yours that it, it sounds a bit tricky but it's so simple if you if you believe that you've received them then it's yours you will have them that is the principle of faith praise the name of Jesus now, I'm going to talk about doubt even more as we go on. But before that, I want to just insert a very quick balance to this. Because I know maybe probably in your mind, there, there are thoughts like, oh, really? 
This is exciting. Wait, Pastor Ken, are you saying that if I just speak to anything and say what I want, it will just happen? That sounds like magic. That sounds like Aladdin, like the genie. I can just say anything and make a wish and it will just come to pass if I believe. Amazing. You know, there's been this girl. Oh, she's so, ooh, that girl. Oh, Lord, she's fine. It's just that girl that I, you know, I've been eyeing for so long. You mean she, she's a mountain? Ah! Oh, this mountain must move. Father, in the name of Jesus, that mountain. Ah, Bisola, you are mine. I say you are mine. I don't doubt in my heart, but I receive, I receive in faith. I believe I have received you, so you are mine. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful world we have to walk in our faith. You are on your own. On your little Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> That's not how it works. And so I want to bring a balance by reading 1 John chapter 5 from verse 14 to 15. Oh, 1 John chapter 5 from verse 14. And you might be laughing right where you are, but I have oh, the things I've done in this life. Praise the name of Jesus. I've done it too. And God is my father. So he must answer me. I've prayed that kind of prayer before in, uh, back in high school. Ah, there was a girl I had a crush on, and I, and she, ah, what is she doing that she's not my crush, and I'm not her crush? What is she doing? What is she, is she busy? Lord, make something happen. <laughs> and funny enough, okay, let me not tell you the end of the story. Let me not confuse you. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Alright, First John chapter 5 from verse 14. Let's not get carried away. Let's go there. Verse 14. And he says, this is something so important. Ah, this is so good. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Praise the name of Jesus. He says there is a confidence we have. So you see, when it comes to faith, you're talking about confidence. You're talking about trust. You're talking about knowing, a knowing, a rest, a conviction of confidence. He said, this is the confidence we have. He's speaking with the assumption that you have that confidence. My question to you, and the question that I believe John might, be, might have asked you, do you have confidence in God? Do you have confidence in God? How much do you trust God? Where are your eggs? Are they all in his basket or are there some on the frying pan? Where are your eggs, guys? Ask your neighbor. Where are you? If she's a, if she's a girl, if she's a girl, don't, don't ask where her eggs are, please. But... Where are your eggs? Are they in God's basket? So say this with me. I have confidence in God. Hallelujah. Say that with, so, with, with such confidence. I have confidence in God. My faith is in God alone. My trust is in God alone. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. And so he says, this is the confidence that we have in him. Oh, glory to Jesus. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, so this is beautiful. He's saying you don't have a deaf God. You have a God that hears you very clearly. But listen, he says, if you ask anything, and the caveat he puts here is according to his will. So now this is a streamline to all that Jesus, Jesus wasn't lying when he said, if you say to this mountain, if God wills it, it will happen. So it's, you know, your prayers are simply bringing to pass 
the things of God, the will of God into manifestation. That's what prayer is. So you can't pray something against the will of God and expect that God brings those things to be. So what your, your steps are, are to align to what God wills and pray those things to be. That's how it works. That's how you partner with God in the manifestation of his power. So he says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. So he gives you attention when you ask in accordance to his will. And we know that if he hears us, so he's not just a listening God. Oh, he is a prayer answering God. He said, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> he said, and we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. We know we have the petitions we have desired of him. That's the confidence we have. He says there is a there's a disposition that you're meant to carry when you walk into your prayer room. You have prayer rooms in your house. Maybe you're on the road and you're praying about something. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Thankfully, you are a mobile house of prayer because God's spirit dwells in you. Hallelujah. You're a temple of the Holy Ghost. So wherever you pray, the location doesn't matter because the most important location is where God is and he's in you. Hallelujah. And so when you pray, he says, there is a confidence you carry. There's a you might be a shy person. You might be someone who is timid. Your temperament probably someone who is, um, you know, introverted. But he's saying, look, when you come to prayer, it's a different ballgame. There's no reason to be introverted. You are talking to the all-powerful God. He said, when you pray, there's a confidence. You ask in his name according to his will. He will answer you. You will receive. The, like, there is just so much certainty in John's, the apostle John's tone as he wrote the scripture that if you're praying according to, like, obviously, like, you'll get it. Like, there is no, there's no question in that. The timing may differ, right? It might seem like it's delaying for some people. But no matter what, he, there is a confidence that he will do what you have asked. That is the God we serve. Praise the name of Jesus. So I want you to remember there is a confidence you carry. There is a confidence you carry. Praise the Lord. But we, we talked in the previous ver uh, portion of scripture we read in Mark 11. It says, if you don't have doubt in your heart. And that's something that strikes me every time I read it. There's something that strikes me about it. It says, if you say to this man, you don't doubt in your heart. You know, but you know, the thing about doubt um, many times is that people don't know what to do with it. People don't know what to do with doubt. Um, sometimes it creeps in. It's very sneaky. You, you might have gone for a camp meeting. You went to church. You made those confessions. Glory! Oh, I am successful. I am prosperous. Hallelujah. And by the time you come back, there's a business project you're about to embark upon, or a business deal. And you're like, ha, ah, will this thing work? Question is, what happened? What happened to that guy that shouted glory with such confidence in those confessions? And the guy now seated at his table saying, I don't know if this is going to work. Where did, how did the doubt come in? Doubt is a sneaky creature. It can be inspired by so many things. There, there are a lot of hindrances to faith. We'll talk about them. But I want to show you something about this thing of doubt. Praise the Lord. This thing of doubt. And let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And I know that's not the scripture you think about when it comes to doubt, but it's something I want to point out to you. 
Philippians chapter 4 from verse 6. Very quickly, let's go there. It's a very popular scripture. One of my my faves as well. Um, and such a powerful scripture to just have. I have it on my door and, and I confess it and read it out every day when I open my door in the morning. It's so powerful. And this is what it says. Be careful for nothing. I, 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 I love that, that terminology. Be careful for nothing. In other words, it says, do not be anxious. It's similar to what Jesus said, our Lord Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, when he said, take no thought for your life or what you shall eat or what you shall wear, for tomorrow has his own troubles. Like, live in today. Jesus himself said it. He said, chillax. That's, that's what is in your Bible. I don't know if it's in your Bible. He said, chillax, guy. Relax. Take a chill pill. Uh-uh. You're thinking of what you wear. You're thinking of what you relax, guy. And it's the same terminology that Paul uses here. He says, be careful for nothing. Because anxiety creates an atmosphere of doubt. When you start to worry about things, that oh, things are not in place. Things are not organized. Things are not the way I want them to be. It gives room for doubt. And everything like, you know, these things like, um, anxiety and doubt they're simply a shift in focus that's what they are god should be the focus and his power and his might and his ability to do exceeding abundantly above but sometimes your eyes shift sometimes your eyes turn away to another direction you start to look at the problems you start to look at the difficulties you start to look at the risks you start to look at the lack you start to look at the the unavailability of resources and you start to give room for doubt but look at this verse there's something this verse says and and it's something that a lot of believers actually miss he didn't say pray that the anxiety leaves he didn't say um, let's, you know, say to God, I'll be careful for nothing. Lord, help me to be careful for nothing. It's an instruction. It's actually an instruction. He's saying, do not be anxious. He's instructing them. But rather, take everything to the Lord in prayer. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Isn't that powerful? It says, be careful for nothing. That's an instruction. So he's saying, before you pray, get rid of the doubt. Get rid of the anxiety. Because now you have the ability to, you can. It's all that it takes is a redirection of focus. All it takes is to look from those problems and turn your eyes upon Jesus. And look full on his wonderful face. Glory to Jesus. That's the expectation. So you can deal with doubt by redirecting your focus. And I think that's very powerful. It's important that you don't give room for doubt. Doubt doubt is sneaky and it has a way of subduing your faith. And you don't want that. You want your faith alive. You want your faith active. You want your faith in the Lord always. Praise the name of Jesus. So you have a responsibility to get rid of the doubt. You have a responsibility and instruction to deal with the doubt and then say a prayer. And maybe you just can't get rid of the doubt somehow. You've tried. It's just not working out. You can pray like that man that Jesus encountered. Who wanted him to help his son, you know, to free him from that problem, from that affliction. And he said, you know, Jesus asked him, do you believe 
that I can do this. And, and this guy was like, look, see, I mean, we've met a lot of doctors. We've, you don't know how much we spent on this situation. You don't know what, what has happened. And he looked to Jesus and he was like, ah, you know what? I've heard things that you've done. I actually believe you can heal him, but there's still things in me. Like, I'm just not sure. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And you best believe that Jesus did help his unbelief. Do you understand? It wasn't that, oh, don't worry, your unbelief is fine. It's just, just at least, let's have unbelief. Just push unbelief to the left side. Let your belief stay at the right. I can work with that. You know, I like my right hand. <laughs> you know, that's not what Jesus did. He helped his unbelief. He got into a point, I believe, where that place of doubt left. Do you understand? And then when there was faith, then that happened. Then the miracle happened. But doubt and faith cannot exist in your life. You can't have them. Look at what James says. And he says it so, so strongly that sometimes it gets a lot of people scared. Oh, my time is so far spent, but I'll, I'll give it my best. Let me be quick. I'll be very quick. Go to James chapter 1. Go to book of, the book of James chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse verse 5. All right, verse 5, we're going to read to verse 7. All right, so he says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally. I love this scripture so much. He gives wisdom liberally. And wisdom is, is, is dynamic. It's relative to many situations. And he, he gives it all the time. Do you understand? He says, you know, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not. That, that upbraideth not. That means he doesn't hide it and it shall be given him. You understand? But he goes on in verse 6. He says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Ah, that's a bit difficult, isn't it? But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Look at the description. You know when you go on the beach and you see the, the waves move back and forth. They say, that's how you are when you doubt. That's how God sees you when you doubt. You're here. You're back here. You're tossed to and fro. Verse 7. He said, for let not that man think. Ah, now this is the difficult part. I'm so sorry I'm reading this to you, but you need to see this. You need to hear this so that it, it can help you realize that doubt must have, you must have zero tolerance for doubt in your life. Zero tolerance. He said, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Wow. Wow, that's harsh. Look at verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Wow. What a blow. But it's also something to, it's an exhortation to you to stand and say, you know what? I'm going to give no room to doubt because it's my faith that drives the operation of God, not doubt. And I give no room for it. Come on, say, I give no room for doubt. I have zero tolerance for doubt in my life. Say it with all you've got. I have zero tolerance for doubt in my life. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're going to just quickly look at some people very quickly because of my time. Um, I, I want us to, before we do that, I want us to just talk about some hindrances to the expression of faith very quickly. Uh, some hindrances to the expression of faith, you know, things that inspire doubt many times and things for you to watch out for in this walk of faith so that once you detect them, immediately you address it so that your faith flows freely. Number one.
Number one. Oh, glory to God. Number one. Senses. Your senses. So I'm mentioning the things that are sometimes a hindrance to the expression of faith. Number one. Your senses. Your senses. And you have five senses. Uh, many people will say the sixth sense is faith, which is which is good. Um, but, you know, you have primarily three of your five senses that receive um, information that can influence a situation. And I'm talking about sight. I'm talking about hearing. And I'm also talking about feeling. The other types are tasting and smelling, right? Which are more particular to food. Um, but I'm talking about things that many times can affect situations um, beyond that scope. So your sight, your hearing, your feeling. And I've always said this all the time that, see, when you're walking in faith, you need to run away from experience and situational issues. You need to be able to prioritize what God has said. Place it far above what you're experiencing. Because if that's the case, we have every reason to believe many times that God is not our father and God doesn't love us. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine you are in a place where... Imagine maybe you go for a meeting. I'm just giving an example. You go for a spiritual meeting, a, a believer's meeting... And you're hearing someone say, oh, they're doing testimony time. Oh, wow, while I was praying, I saw angels flying all around. Oh, I saw the glory of the God of, of the Lord move here and move there. I saw visions. I saw this. I saw that. And then you think to yourself, you're like, ah, may I not say anything? No, I, I, do I need to? I don't understand. Maybe there's, a, there's something someone's not telling me. Are there spiritual glasses that I'm not seeing? Uh, I don't have. I need, to, I need to get them. But I'm not seeing anything. Does that mean I'm not spiritual enough and someone comes and tells you oh i heard the lord speak to me the lord said the lord said this the lord said that and you're like hmm but i'm not hearing anything at this moment does it mean that god doesn't like me and then someone tells me you know i was in the worship and i felt the presence of god i i had goosebumps all over i felt the strong presence of god all over me and they're like, ah, I didn't feel anything. Me, I was saying, glory to God. Me, literally, I was singing. I, I mean, I'd not go off key. I was singing. I not feel the presence. <laughs> and many times when you start to go and, 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 and examine and evaluate your relationship with God based on how you feel per time, you will fall into error and you will have the wrong impression. Sometimes, many of you, you can relate to this, I'm sure. Maybe you made a mistake. You fell into a sin at some point in time. And in your mind, you're like, I don't think God is pleased with me. I think God is angry with me or he's disgusted by me. And you just find out that many of your activities just seem to line up. That way. You feel like God is giving you a culture that you feel it. You don't feel close to him. You don't feel. And that's the problem. You're running by feelings. And that's not what you, what you need in your walk of faith. Because many times your feelings will attack your faith. Many times your feelings will tell your faith, no, 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 no. This is what is happening. Look at it. This is what's happening live. Forget that, you know, wishing and believing. Mm -mm, this is the real matter on the ground. And your feelings can lead you astray. Many of you know, you know, how feelings can lead astray. Many of you can attest to it, you know. 
with matters of the heart. Many of you have had feelings for people that were toxic to you. You've had feelings. Your feelings have led you to the wrong place, to the wrong direction. So you can't trust your feelings. But you can trust God. Hallelujah. Your feelings fluctuate, but God doesn't fluctuate. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to Jesus. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 to 7, talking about our glorified body, he said, you know, therefore we are always confident, you know, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And he's saying, look, you know, he's talking about the glorified body, the full inheritance of the saints. You know, when Jesus returns, we will have a spiritual body, a glorified body, one that is, we will not see corruption. He's saying, you know, right now it might not look as if like, that's going to happen. It seems like Jesus is tiring, but he says, we walk by faith. Not by sight, not by any of our senses. We walk by faith. Praise the name of Jesus. And that's number one. That's one hindrance that can affect your faith, can hinder the expression of your faith. Number two is past experiences. Number two is what? Past experiences. And, and, and this is what this is about. You know, many times you, we, we have experiences where we believe God for something. Now, now I, I want to give a scenario that is a bit sensitive, but it's something that happens, and we should talk about it. I'll start with this simple example. Imagine you, you prayed for someone, someone that you love, that you care about, who got sick. And this was a very terrible illness, a friend or a family member. And you prayed, you fasted, you prayed. What did you not do? You used anointing oil, you prayed, you you. You did everything possible, any possible religious activity and spiritual exercise. You prayed for this person, for them to be healed. And the sad news came that, sorry, we lost him. We, we lost your friend. We're sorry. There's nothing we could do. And then you look up and you say, God, why? God, why? I prayed, didn't I? I spoke to the situation, didn't I? I exercised my faith, didn't I? So where did I go wrong? And because of that experience, it scars you. And so the next time you're about to ask for something from God, or maybe you see someone with even something smaller like malaria or a fever, you're like, nah. If God couldn't answer then why should he answer now? That can give a hindrance to the expression of your faith. You start to doubt the power and ability of God. Maybe some of you, you've tried to pray for people. Just pray and you never really have seen any healing happen. You're like, what makes this time any different? It's not going to work. Past experiences. Many of, of the time, it limits, limits the power of God in your life. So say no to past experiences and look forward to experiences that, expe that exceed your expectations. Glory to God. Create new experiences. Create new faith-filled experiences for yourself. Have an adventure of faith. Go and look like a faithful. Just go about this life. Forgetting the past. Burn your bridges and keep moving. You're going to see miracles happen if you believe. Praise the name of Jesus. And number three hindrance to the expression of faith is association. Sometimes your association with people can affect your faith. Your association with people can inspire doubt. You know, an, an example, an example was a time when Jesus, our Lord, in Mark chapter 5 from verse 38, 
um, he went to a, a house. He was going to uh, pray for a damsel that was dead, right? He was going to pray for, for, for the girl. She was about 12 years old. And he was going to pray for her. And then he went in. She was dead, literally dead. People were there. You know, and Jesus went there and said, Why make ye this ado and weep? He said, The damsel is not dead, but she's sleeping. And guess what they said? The Bible says they laughed him to scorn. You know, there's something, of, there's, there's something called I, you laughed at him. This is different. They laughed him to scorn. They laughed him to a place where you yourself, you're like, hey. <laughs> That's what they did. They laughed. They mocked him. This guy doesn't know anything. What are you saying? Are you stupid? Come on, Philan. No, come on. Check our pulse. What's wrong with you? Look at this guy. They were laughing at him. But Jesus being so wise, do you know what he did? Gave no room for that kind of association. Bible says, you know, but when he had put them all out, he took the father and mother of the damsel and, you know, they were the only ones there and went to where the girl was and he prayed for her. Talitha Kumi, which he said, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. So what that tells you is if you want your faith to find expression, there are certain associations you must put aside. Jesus put this man aside who tried to laugh him to scorn. Jesus was sensitive. He was discerning. He put them aside and said, no, I won't give no room for this. In the name of Jesus, daughter, rise. The same way he rebuked Peter, immediately Peter suggested something else. Where Peter said, look, I, Lord, far be it from you, you will not die. But Jesus knew he had to die and he spoke to Peter said, I rebuke you in the name. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. So there's some times that, you know, you're believing for something and people are like, ah, are you sure you're not shooting too big? Are you sure you're not, you know, overthinking this? Are you sure you're not overzealous or overambitious? When it comes to the matter of faith, there's nothing like overambition. Do you understand? You need to stretch. If you're expecting exceeding abundantly, then your faith must be exceeding abundantly. It must be in that realm. It must accommodate that realm. Praise the name of Jesus. So that's it. Those are the three things. The first thing I mentioned was what? Your senses. The second thing was your it was past experiences. And another thing is your association. So as we round off, I want to just show you some. Uh, I want to show you some people who in their lives, who in, who in the things that they did, they looked like fools. They looked like fools to people. But to God... To God, they were priceless. They were precious. They, they were glowing with faith. You know, many of you are trying to pop your skin and make it glow like, ah. But to God, these guys were glowing with faith. That was what they were popping with. Glory to God. But to people, people saw them like, they were, ah, you guys, you have issues. Something is up with you. Ah. You know, and I'm going to give examples. Number one, I'm going to give the example of Abraham and I always love to give this example because, I mean, he was given the reputation, the father of faith, the friend of God. Man, that's such a huge and, and, and privileged title, father of faith. But you need to realize something about Abraham. Abraham had the kind of faith that was stupid. <laughs> Pardon my language. Right, a foolish kind of faith, but it was the kind of faith that got things done. When he first got the call of the Lord at the age of seventy-five, at the age of at the age of seventy-five, many of your parents retire fifteen years beyond, be, before that age, 
You're meant to be settled in your house with your wife. Just relax and live the rest of your days in peace. At the age of 75, a voice that he had never interacted with or handled when in, in, you know, previously his family had been involved in idol worship. And now there's a voice from out of thin air telling you, Abraham, leave your father's house to a land I will show you. Like, now, it's one thing to... I mean, if, if, I were going, if I were God and I wanted to convince this guy, I would... <laughs> We'll do drama. Me and the angels will practice. We'll do Broadway. You know, you see, uh, Michael, Angel Michael, you know, you go to the left, I go to the right, you know, and then Gabriel, you fly on top. Just then you, um, Raphael, Angel Raphael, you throw the fireworks. Then we just, you know, appear. Glory to God. I would do something like that. That's what I would do to get his attention. I am the God who created the heavens and the earth. I would do a massive introduction. And then I will give you a road map. Do you understand? I'll give you a map and say, okay, you know, when you go here, then you take a left, take a right, take a left, take another left, then you pass Oshodi, then you get to, you know, the land of Or. Anyways, that's what I would do. But look, God appeared to Abraham, told him, see, I would rise, leave your father's house, go to a place that I will show you. I, have, I, don't, I won't tell you where it is yet, but just keep going. As you're going, I'll shall direct you. That is great faith. At the age, be you know, way past retirement, to a being you've never interacted with, to a place you have no idea where you're going. And Abraham says, everyone, let's go. What? He didn't just, do you understand? If it were just him, fine. But you, I, I think many of us haven't thought about this story so deeply. If it were just him, fantastic. Go on your own, old man. Go and do what you want to do. But he was taking his entire family with him, his wife. He was taking his wife. He was taking his his nephew Lot. They were going to go with their families and go to a place where they didn't know. Imagine they were still going and Lot was um, "Uncle, uh, where are we going? Don't worry, just keep walking." Uh, okay, Uncle, are we there yet? I don't know. How far are we? I don't know. Where's the place? I don't know. This man has dementia. Something is wrong somewhere. They, they must have mocked him. And it came to the time because his wife had been barren and we saw that the issue was not on Abraham's part because when he was with the slave, something happened. He performed. Glory to God. He had a child. So the issue was with Sarah. And I'm not um, trying to shame her in any way. It's just what happened. So that happened. They were, you know, expecting a child. And God showed him, called him out. He said, look to the stars above. Look at them. Look at them, how many they are. That, that's how many your generations will be. To a man who has not even seen one child. No, no, you, must, you, must, you must imagine. Now, imagine that, that word came to him. What would he, I mean, he received the word. He was like, okay, yes, Lord. I mean, I believe. I actually believe. And he went about excited. Guys, I just spoke to God. And guess what he said? He said, I'm going to have a child. And immediately, everybody's mind becomes rational. Everybody starts going intellectual. Hmm, let's calculate. Biology. Hmm. Abraham is what at this time? 70. Hmm, okay. And his wife is 10 years younger than 65. Hmm, okay. Ha. Biology tells us that at a certain age, a woman will stop being able to produce children, right? Sarah's own is not menopause. This is menopause. Hmm. Can Abraham still have a child? Ah, no. Hmm. 
far. Okay, let's see. And Abraham will still be going about, you know, after that day, second day, going about, guys, I'm going to be talking to his wife, babe, we're going to have a child. We're going to have, see, we, we have to do our own parts, right? We have to fellowship, but God is going to grant us a child. And they were excited, and Sarah might have been confused, like, what do I do with this information? No problem. No problem. Let's see what happens. And then imagine, after nine months, nothing. No show. Ah. Abraham was like, okay, okay, okay. You know, maybe Sarah took one mighty Eba and her stomach came out. Like, ah, Sarah, is that the baby? Ah, no, it's Eba. Oh, okay, okay, fine, fine. And then he was just like, okay, you know what? I believe, I believe, I believe. One year, two years passed, three years passed. And time went and time went. He got to a point, of course, like any regular person. You know what? That's, you know, and it was Sarah that even suggested it. She was like, see, People are mocking you, my, my love. People are saying you are crazy. You're a crazy old man. You don't know what you're saying. I, I can't take this ridicule anymore, especially for you. Let, okay, you know what? Let's just have a child. I mean, look at my slave, Hagar. She's from, you know, she, she's good looking. She, she can bear you a child. At least let's have an heir. And she was trying to bring about something that God had promised by her own ability to bring about it by works rather than God's grace. And that happened. And Ishmael came to be, and he was like, okay, maybe this is actually what God wanted for. Maybe this was the plan all along. And God calls Abraham and says, oh boy, come, come here. Come, I saw you. <laughs> come, what happened? Didn't I tell you you will bear a child through Sarah? Through her, your, your seed will make a, an everlasting covenant with me. Didn't I promise you that? And God corrected him and reminded him. And you best believe that Abraham was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Look, I repent. You know, he even told God, he said, no, no, let, let, let Ishmael live before you. He told God that. He said, let Ishmael live. Let him be the one. Like, I have waited. I have trusted you. You, you didn't, you didn't, you know, he was just being honest. You didn't show up for me. You didn't. I tried. I was a fool for you. I was a faithful for you and nothing. Nothing happened. So let it be Israel, let it be the one. And God said, no, through Sarah, I will establish my covenant. Ah, this was a hard saying for him. And Abraham was like, okay, Lord, okay, 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 all right, all right. I believe again, I believe again. Sarah, let's try again. I believe the Lord. He went about, look, guys, we're trying again. God is faithful. He will not let us down. After nine months, nothing. After this, nothing. Until some men came and gave them a promise, gave them a more specific timeline. And then, after 25 good years of waiting, 25 good years that many of you are not even up to right now. You're not up to 25. But a man waited for that long to see a promise he had believed so foolishly, but also so faithfully. He believed it. And it happened. But guess what? People ridiculed him. People mocked him. He looked foolish. Oh. May I look foolish because I'm walking in faith. I don't mind. May I look foolish to the world if that's what it takes. But my faith will stay alive. I don't know about you, but my faith will stay alive. I will stand foolish, believing all the promises of God, no matter how long it takes, till even if it's till my dying breath, till I see it happen, I will stand in faith. 
Glory to God. Because I walk by faith and not by sight. It's not about what I see or don't see. It's not about the child I don't see right now. It's about the word of God right in front of me. I hold on to that. Another example was Peter. Peter was known to be someone who was quite forward in many ways. He, he would ask questions. He was a forefront guy. He was that guy. That guy that sits in front in class that always raises up, raises up his hand. That was Peter. And Jesus, you know, at one point, Jesus was um, somewhere walking on sea and the disciples were on the boat and they were afraid and they, they saw him like, is this a ghost? And mind you, it means they've had experience with ghosts. They've seen spirits. They've seen ghosts in that time. So it was not uncommon to have an, app an apparition of a ghost. And they're like, who are you? Are you a ghost? Identify yourself. And Jesus says, no, it is I. And they heard his voice and they knew it was him. And Peter, look at him. Peter, I mean, what? Wait, 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 wait. It's one thing. Okay, Lord, if it's you, come. You know, I mean, if, I were, if, if we were Peter, I mean... I'll probably say, you know, oh, Lord is you. Ah, let's confirm. Just come closer. We can't, you're too far away. Hello. Yes, come closer. Let's see you. Let's, let's see your face. Ah, it's Jesus. Ah, it's Jesus. Yeah, guys, we're safe. We're good. But he says, no, if it is you. Ah, come on. This guy thought outside the box. And in this case, he thought outside the boat. He said, if this is you, call me to walk on this water. Call me to walk on this water. Just like you are doing it. I want to do it too. <laughs> and Jesus said, okay, come. Come right on. And, and all the disciples will be looking at him like, Peter, what are you doing, bro? Bro, come, bro. Yo, bro, I know you have such zeal, but bro, calm down. It's like, no. He called me. He said, come, and I'm, I'm going to walk on this water. And he went, stepped on it. Guess what? He stepped on the water expecting that the water will bear him up and it did. And he walked to where Jesus was. But he looked around, the Bible described, he looked at the situation. He looked at how things were not going so well around. There was a storm, there were boisterous winds. And he started to sink. And that's just a symbol of what happens with, with the struggle and the tug of war between faith. And doubt and started to sink. And Jesus in his compassion and mercy grabbed him before he saw him deep and rose him up. But guess what? Even after he rose him up, how do you think they got back into the boat? They walked to the boat. Jesus didn't carry him and say, oh yeah, Peter, adjust. <laughs> and carried him to the boat. No, they walked. They walked and got to where the boat was. Faith many times looks foolish. But it brings results. Oh, crazy faith brings results. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, just like I narrated, another person was Jesus. Many times, Jesus was, was looked upon as a fool. You know, in the case of Lazarus, they, they, they mocked him when he said Lazarus was sleeping and was not really dead. They mocked him when he said to that young lady that she's not sleeping, she's dead. And they laughed him to scorn. They thought, this guy is, this guy is crazy. But you see, it worked. It moved things. It made things happen. Praise the name of Jesus. You see, when it comes to faith, you need to look. You need to think. I mean, what? I read stories about ancient people in, 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 you know, you know, in the early church and even after then. There were people who were so audacious with their faith. 
that he did so much, so many things for God. If you're going to be useful for God in this age, let your faith come alive. Let your faith come alive. I mean, Paul was, was you, know, at, you know, after the, the shipwreck, he, they, they, they put up a, a, a fire, you know, and out of the fire, a viper fastened itself to, to Paul's hands. And Paul shook it off and continued the conversation. And people watched to see, ah, let's see, that, that, that thing beat him. They watched to see if he was going to die. And nothing happened, no swellings, nothing. He continued, and people were like, what? Who is this guy? They wanted to worship him. That was, I mean, it takes faith to see potential danger and shake it off like it's nothing. Praise the name of Jesus. When I hear stories of faith, they inspire me so much. Look at this, this people that showed great faith. I mean, just thinking about Paul, still on Paul, many times he would go doing ministry, but he couldn't reach so many places at the same time. And so... He he gave his handkerchief, the things he used to clean sweat, though. Are you listening, people? His aprons, that means some of his attire. doesn't mean the one you use for cooking. It's a type of garment that you wear, you know, um, when you're doing work, right? I believe it's because he was a tent maker um, that he had aprons. So his aprons and his handkerchiefs, he gave it, distributed it to people. And the Bible says, at, with his handkerchiefs and aprons, demons were running demons ran people were cured of diseases because ah he said take my aprons take my handkerchiefs they will heal the sick effortlessly that's faith that's the kind of faith that thinks outside the box the woman with the issue of blood i love her story when i read it in the book of mark chapter 5 it it, it gets me every time the Bible says a certain woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, you know, she has suffered many things of many physicians. She has spent all that she had. She spent so much money. And some of you can, re can relate to this. But you see, when she had heard of Jesus, oh, this is what happened. She came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She said what was going to happen. She said, I will touch the hem of his garment and i'll be whole i'll be fine she said it and straight away the bible says oh the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague glory to jesus and, and, and jesus knew uh, you know knowing that virtue had left and gone out of him you know he, he looked around and was like someone has touched me and she confessed she went to say she said look lord she was fearing and trembling like oh have i done something wrong but, you know, she came before him and told him what had happened. And Jesus smiled and said, daughter, your faith. Listen to that. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. It's your faith. It's your faith. It's your faith that counts. She said what she was going to do and what was going to happen. That, that's, that's a mountain moving kind of faith. She said, I will touch his garment and this thing will stop and I will be well. And she did touch his garment and guess what? She was whole. Glory to God. That's how it works. And the one that just blows my mind every time is the centurion and his servant. You know, Jesus was, was going. He, he had gotten to Capernaum. You know, and he saw this soldier, this Italian centurion, you know, of the Romans. And, you know, beseeching, and the guy said, Lord, my servant, you know, he lies at home. And probably he had a sentimental attachment to this servant. Because, I mean, 
as a Roman brute and 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 and, and soldier, if your servant is is ill, replace him or you know get someone else. But it's like this guy is you know he's there to me. You know he's sick of the palsy. He's paralyzed. Lord, I I I want you to heal him. You know, and Jesus was like, okay, uh, where is the place? You know, let me come and and heal him. But he said, look, see, Centurion said, ah, no, 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 no. Like, I'm a soldier and I know what it means to have authority and tell a soldier, go to this place. And the soldier will go, go to that place. He said, I'm a man of authority. He said, um, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. You know, just speak the word only and my servant to be healed. You know, I'm a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. I tell this one, go and tell this one, come and they do it. And he said, if you speak the word with such authority too, things will move. And Jesus looked at this guy like, wait, what? You mean you are a Roman soldier and you have literally just operated in a faith outside of the box? Oh, wow. And Jesus said that statement. The verily I say unto you. But obviously Jesus heard it and he marveled. And he looked to the people that followed him. He said, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And he said, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and nationality. He was talking about how Gentiles from the east and the west would, would be a part of the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And even the people of the, the children, the Israelites themselves, many of them will miss out on it because they lack faith. So he went on and said to the centurion, go your way. As you have believed. Look at, he said, anytime Jesus dismisses them, listen to how he speaks. Be it unto you according to your faith. Go in peace. Your, fe- your, peace has, your, your faith, pardon me, has made you whole. And he says to this guy, go thy way as thou hast believed. So be it unto you. And the Bible says his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Jesus said, see, as you have believed, it's yours. He's healed. Oh, now, these are experiences of people that thought outside the box in their faith. I want to give an, 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 an example as I close, the final one. Like, And this is not a scriptural example. But, I mean, Harry Potter fans in the house, where are you at? Harry Potter fans, where are you? <laughs> if you watch Harry Potter and you followed it through, I believe there's a special place in heaven. I can't prove it scripturally. I will. I'll get back to you on that. But there's a special place for you in heaven. <laughs> I kid you. But uh, am I joking? Nah, maybe not. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, it's clear, you know, where my fanatism lies in that regard. Um, but what I can say is that in Harry Potter, I mean, you see these guys, they carry their wands. They say a spell. They do the right action. They sway their wands or move it. And every time they do it, they expect that something will happen. Do you understand? When they carry their wand and say, Expelliarmus, something must happen. Or you do, Megadium Leviosa. Or you say, Lacanum Inflammare. Whatever. Okay, sorry, I know a lot of spells. But whatever you say, and like, there's an expectation that something will happen. And if only believers can be like Harry Potter... Now, imagine that for a title, a sermon title. If only believers can be like Harry Potter. In the sense that you expect something to happen. 
you say it and the spell in this regard is prayer you you pray something to be and you expect it to happen and you actually see it happen that's how faith should work that's actually how it's supposed to work that every time you pray there is an expectation that something will happen do you say, there's no one of them that will say i don't think this will work it always works every time maybe it's just that they didn't say it right or you know but there's an expectation that something will happen do you do you get that so i believe that if we can just you know let our faith come alive get rid of doubt and think outside the box look foolish to the world but look faithful to the lord i tell you the supernatural will run after you and overtake you and embarrass you in a great way in such a beautiful way Praise the name of Jesus. So let your faith come alive. Be faithful and be a faithful for the Lord. Hallelujah. Now no matter how long, you know, the word faithful means to be full of faith. No matter how long it takes, you will stand. No matter how impossible it sounds, you will stand on your faith. No matter how vague or far away that thing you desire seems to be, no matter what, if you say to this mountain, come here. Oh, and you don't doubt in your heart, but believe that you have received what you have asked. It is yours. That is it. He said it. I believe it. I walk in it and I see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so now, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Thank you. That's it. Your power is reaching everyone here. There are a lot of concerns that people, your people have and, and, and they desire to see, to see your power, to see your hand in that situation. Thank you now, Lord, because your power is moving. Their faith attracts your power. Their faith attracts your ability in their lives. So come on right now where you are listening to me right now. I want you to just let your faith come alive and speak to those mountains. Let me give you a chance to do that. Speak to those mountains. Speak to those mountains. Speak to those mountains. Speak to those mountains. Tell them what you want to happen. Speak it. Say it as it is. Come on. Don't be shy. If he said it, I believe it. Come on. Speak to those mountains. Speak into your family. Speak to that disease. Speak to that failure. Speak to that business deal. Speak to that future that is ahead of you. Come on. Speak right now. Speak right now with such authority, with such confidence that whatever you ask in his name, according to his will, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Come on, let your faith make it count now. Make it count. Things are happening. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Speak out now. Speak to those mountains. Speak with confidence. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to Jesus. The Lord says everything committed into your hands will grow. It will grow in abundance. It will grow to maturity in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
that affliction that has been in your family, it happened with your grandparents, it's happening with your parents. He says it will not come near you. You might have seen some signs and, and, and warning signs of, of it repeating, but those plagues, those afflictions that are generational, they stop with your parents. They cease with your parents. In the name of Jesus, so says the Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That hormonal problem that you experience many times, you know, every, almost every month, you, you experience some hormonal imbalances, some things that are out of place. In the name of Jesus, is being corrected. You've had this for the longest time, for as long as you can remember. In the name of Jesus, it is corrected now. Yes, he's heard you. The Lord said I should tell you he's heard you and it's corrected now. It's corrected now in the name of Jesus. Oh, yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. Let your faith come alive. If you're praying for your friend, if you're praying for your family, come on, exercise that great faith, that out of the box faith. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Expect, expect the result. Expect to see it happen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty matchless name, we have prayed. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this privilege, Daddy. Thank you because you are set to do exceeding abundantly. You know, you're set to do exceeding abundant things in our lives. You are set to do things that exceed our expectations. Oh, Lord, and we are ready. We are ready for all that you have for us. Our faith is alive. Our faith is at 100 and more. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We are ready for all that you have for us. We stand in confidence in you. We give no room for doubt. We put our faith in you. We put our confidence in you in the name of Jesus. And for the rest of our lives, we will walk in faith at such an extraordinary level that attracts the supernatural. Lord, henceforth, the supernatural remains natural for me. The supernatural remains ordinary for me. The extraordinary remains ordinary for me. I see it on a regular basis. I experience it all the time in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. We love you. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, we bless the name of the Lord. Thank you all for such an amazing time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, being a part of Bible study. If you know that someone needs this teaching in your family or a friend, please, once it gets out and the link is, is sent, please immediately send it to them. Encourage them to listen to it. Let them start experiencing those miracles that you have started experiencing. Come on, just don't be selfish with it. Let them know. Let them hear. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you. Keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.